Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Akome. So let's get started. Hey friends, welcome, welcome back to the show. It's Nikayla here. And today in the guest chair, I have Mandy Woodruff Santos. She is a globally recognized career expert, founder of the Mandy Money Makers and co-host of the three-time Webby Award-winning podcast, Brown Ambition. Through her online career coaching community, the Mandy Money Makers Career Academy, she is on a mission to help women of color achieve their wildest financial and career ambitions. With over 6 million podcast downloads and over 80,000 followers across IG, TikTok, LinkedIn, and more, Mandy has created a unique community of by Pock baddies, as she calls them, ready to stop settling for less and level up in their careers. Mandy is currently writing her first book on strategically quitting throughout your career. Yes, I said strategically quitting. And she has been featured on Today, Dr. Phil, The New York Times, CNBC, and so much more. I can't wait for you to hear what Mandy has to say. Let's get right into it. So welcome, welcome to the guest chair, Mandy. Ah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. 
Me too. Me too. Because you are a woman whose method and approach to life and career is one I could 100% get down with. And I want everyone to know about your mindset around navigating the career space. Yeah. So let's take it back a little bit, though. I understand that you knew what you wanted to do. You're one of those people who, from a young age, you knew you wanted to write and study journalism. What was it about writing that attracted you? I mean, you know, you mix a little bit of my mom was a bookworm with the fact that like social anxiety, Mm -hmm. I was a really heavy kid in the 90s. So you can imagine I was bullied a lot. So for me, it was an Mm. escape, like reading and writing. And so I would always like write my own stories. And yeah, it just grew naturally from there. I remember you know, being in fifth grade and, you know, people ask you like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, I want to be a children's book author. And then as I, the older I got, I was like, wait, that's not like a job you go get, you know, it's not like someone's <laughs> yeah, looking yeah, to yeah. hire a children's book writer. Um, so for me, I remember like midway through high school be, having this like existential crisis of I can only write. So what jobs are there. And then I learned about journalism. I just didn't know, you know, it's just so, so naive. Um, yeah. And thank goodness I did because it has been, right. yeah, it's been the foundation of everything I do even today, even as a business owner, I use those same tools every day. So what was your first job out of college? Did you go immediately into a journalism That's job? So funny because so I graduated in 2009, which was the, it was technically not the recession. We had technically come out of it, but um, there's a lot of okay. people, like a lot of people are still losing their jobs because industries are like lagging behind, you know, economic mm-hmm. indicators. So like I was going into newspaper journalism at a time when that industry was just being hit by like marketing dollars. We're getting, you know, advertising dollars the way that means media made money back then. They was getting ripped away. So it was not a great time to be a print journalism graduate. Um, I still mm-hmm. got a job offer at a newspaper in Georgia. And then thank goodness I had the moxie to just turn it down because I had grinded through four years of school and I started to travel for the first time internationally while I was in college. I went on like a volunteer trip and it opened up my eyes to this love of, you know, getting out of the country and seeing new places. So I um, turned down that job offer. I moved to South America for um, several months to Chile. And then I interned at a, I say intern because it was definitely like free labor at a new site. <laughs> and when I came back yeah. to the States the following um, December, it was around Christmas time. I had like 16 US dollars to my name and no job. And oh low. My. I can imagine. <laughs> and talk about like, if it's for you, it will be there for you. Cause um, when I got back, that job was still open or maybe they had filled it, but it didn't work out anyway. So I took it. So my mm. first job out of college, other than the unpaid intern in Chile, trying to teach English (laughs) uncredentialed on the side. Um, I was a newspaper writer in Gainesville, Georgia. I don't know if that's a good or bad sign that the job was still open. You tell us, how long were you there? Honestly, well, that's, you're going to get right into it. It was pretty funny. Less than a month. (laughs) (laughs) I was covering education. (laughs) The thing is, it was a decent job. I mean, I think it paid 16 bucks an hour. Like I was, I borrowed my dad's rusty, funky Jimmy Jeep or Jimmy truck at the time. Like I had to wedge some cardboard into the window to keep it up. And mind you, this is like January, February, and it would be sleeting. And I'd be like trying to fix the cardboard wedge to keep. And there was a hole in the floor inexplicably. (sighs) Anyway, so I had a beater. Struggle. 
And then my uncle took pity on me, let me live in his basement in exchange for free babysitting, which I babysat my lovely cousins. What happened was I took that job. And two weeks later, I got an email from a magazine where I had interned during school. They had a job opening and they wanted to know if I was interested. And I was like, yes. (laughs) I mean, New York magazine to a 22 year old. Come on now. New York magazine writer or, you know, Gainesville. Do you know where Gainesville, Georgia is? Gainesville, Georgia. No, No. you don't. I've heard of it. Education reporter. Shout out to my Gainesville listeners. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Gainesville today is popping, but back in the the day. The choice is obvious. Well, it was and it wasn't. I'm writing a book right now Mm -hmm. and I've actually gone back to, it's so funny because my email is like the my fossils. It's like I'm a paleontologist trying to recreate my mindset at 22 because I went back and I still had those old emails from when I got the email and emails to my friends, my family agonizing about my decision. I really was um, struggling because of something that I think a lot of people I coach now are stuck with as well, which is like, what are they going to think of me if I just turn around and quit? You know, not only did I turn him down (laughs) in May when he wanted me to take the job, but I'm going to do it again less than a month. And you know what? And he's going to be real upset about it. And, you know, I don't, I Mitch from the Gainesville Times. I don't know if you remember me, but (laughs) I was going to say the bridge was burned. Um, But the bridge was burned. burned. I I I mean, mean, you know, I guess there's no way not to burn it. I would have been pissed too. Like, come on. Can we just get someone who's going to cover these board of education meetings? You know what I mean? Like this is breaking (laughs) stuff, but yeah, I got over it. um, And it was on those. I had a long drive between my uncle's house and to work. And I sent the editor at the magazine an email um, after I told him I think about it, just this is just like to interview, you know, I don't know why I didn't just take the interview at least. And I was like, you know what, I've thought it through. I'm getting over it. I'm going to do, you know, what aligns with what I want to do in my career. And I'm, I'd love to speak to you guys. And just, yeah, it's funny how stressed and pressed I was you know, back then about leaving and it all worked out great, except for the part where I took the job and got laid off. (laughs) Oh no. Okay. We'll get to that next. But so you quit after you got the job though in New York. Yes. So I got, it was about a two week interview process. It was pretty fast because they knew me already. I was like probably the only person they were considering for the role. And yeah, so I, I got the job offer and I didn't have to negotiate because my, um, the woman I was replacing, she knew me from my, it was her that wanted me to replace her. And she told me, you know, what to ask for. And I just remember, it was so great to have that knowledge, you know, and to not get underpaid. Yeah. So basically a month after I joined, I was, it was my last day. And then I moved to New York. What what did that take? I mean, first of all, I'm just admiring all of this, as you say, moxie Mm -hmm. at what, 22 years old. Where, Where did you get that, that sense of like, all right, um, I'm nervous. I don't know how this is going to look, but I got to do this. It's going to sound, I haven't found the right way to describe this, but I told you I was extremely introverted, very shy. I was bullied. I was overweight, um, uh, you know, or what society deemed overweight. I was not. And I went to schools where I was, you know, mixed race and I wasn't black enough. I wasn't white enough, you know, and I wasn't rich enough or, you know, whatever. I, I was never the right fit for any clique. 
And at the same time, there was always, and so I was very quiet and I was like sort of retreated into myself and I would read and I would write and no one really heard from me, but I had a very loud internal voice and I kind of always knew mm-hmm. that I was going to be someone. <laughs> it's Leo season. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. So we're revealing now that I'm a Leo <laughs> anyway. Um, but I had this like internal voice that just knew I was mm-hmm. gonna, that I was good at you know, things, storytelling and stuff. So um, at the same time, I was super, you know, from a small town in Georgia, sounds like a country song, but I didn't really get to see much of anything. And then it was when I started to travel that this fire for new experiences is this like burning desire for new beginnings and new experiences sort of collided with my, you know, my hidden ego or my hidden belief. Well, I'll say faith and belief in myself. And it was, it was those few months though, when I was traveling alone through South America that I really, like we were talking earlier about how Hey, once you raise a baby during the pandemic with no support, you yeah. really feel like you can do anything. And it was similar for yep. me in that I was like, if I can travel by myself in a country where I'm learning the language, I don't know anybody, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't have a lot of money, mm-hmm. but I'm going to make a way for myself. I just kind of was like, I can do anything. And yes. no one's telling me, like, I don't have to do things on anyone else's schedule anymore. You know, because you go through college, it's the right thing to do. You do it in four years. It's all this and that. And I just. You're doing it often for your family, for your parents, yeah. someone else's expectations. It just felt like. But this time you were doing it for you. I've always been suspicious of where the crowd is going, you know, which made me a great journalist. Oh. Critically thinking. And so I think like watching human behavior as a kid and then also kind of mm-hmm. like being critical and not critical, but um, yeah, just suspicious of why everyone's doing the same thing and kind of wanting to just prove I can do it my own way. That was always sort of inside me and still is. I resonate with what you're saying about being an introvert, yet having this hidden fire and ego that is sometimes unexpected to other people. I remember because introversion can sometimes present as shyness Mm -hmm. when I do something bold, like even having this podcast and, you know, like being on screens and all this stuff. I don't think anyone I went to elementary school would ever expect that from me, but I always felt like I could do yeah. it. I just am also an introvert. Like, <laughs> and it's really frustrating yeah. too, because the world isn't used to, or d- is not equipped to find people like us and say, there's mm-hmm. something inside you. You have to really look at people like us yeah. and see our potential. And it was always frustrating right. to me because I always knew I had more potential than people around me because I didn't mm-hmm. have all the, you know, the things that society associates with someone who's going to be successful. Like I wasn't white. I wasn't, I didn't have a penis, you know, I didn't come from money. It's like, I know, character flaw, right? Why didn't I get one of those? Gosh, I chose the wrong door. Anyway, and because, and also I was very quiet and I would go into these like super, Mm -hmm. I mean, I went to University of Georgia, which is all about being a bro and like, yeah, Georgia football. And, you know, there's a type of person who is welcome to that culture Mm -hmm. and that space. And it wasn't like Mm -hmm. me. So, yeah. Um, So if you're listening and this feels like you just know, Nikayla and I, yeah, that we see you and that it's okay if people underestimate you from the outside. They don't know what's happening inside. Right. Mm -hmm. And I also resonate with going to a place where, you know, I went to Michigan for grad school and I always try stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Even though I know in my, I know 
who I am deep down inside. I say, you know what? Maybe this is a, what do they like to say? Comfort zone. Yeah. Nikayla, let's step outside yeah. of our comfort zone. Let's go to these football games. Let's go to these tailgates, see how we like it. <laughs> and I was like, I don't like yeah. this. <laughs> I am not down to chill in the cold. Yeah, right. Doing this. <laughs> and it's okay. It's okay. But it's okay. It doesn't mean you can't still thrive in life. And even in that place, it's just, you do your own mm-hmm. thing and stand in it. And that's the same thing in life too. But anywho, now you're here in New York, right? Let's go back to your mm-hmm. journey. You're in New York. You mentioned being laid off. How long were you at that job before yeah, it's, you had to that face that? That first year after college was wild, man. I was in South America. <laughs> I came back, broke, got a job. Yay. Uh, got another job. Whoa, what do I do with this? Made that crossroad decision. Moved to New York, you know? Moved to New York. My little brother, my mom are both like, what is going on with you? Just figure out your shit and stay somewhere. <laughs> um, but I was following yeah. my gut, you know, and I made this big, bold choice to move to New York with just a suitcase and like yeah. no place to live. I live with a friend on their couch. Anyway, I took a chance and it's the beginning of a great, you know, novel or a good story. Um, but then... <laughs> Two and a half months in, I was sat into, I was brought into a conference room, not even by myself with another colleague, and we were let go in like a 10% wide, you know, layoff. And it was just funny because I thought back and I'm like, oh, you know, I was the only person that knew, knew higher orientation. Like maybe I should have seen. Oh, (laughs) but I think they hired me. But anyhow, I did get let go. That's messed up. It was magazine publishing and, you know, in the wake of the great recession. So I was not the only one getting let go. And in that mindset at the time, I'm someone who had made all these new beginnings and new changes and had kind of bopped around for the past, I don't know, like nine months since grad or actually a year since graduating. And honestly, for me, it kind of felt like, all right, here's another new chapter. Let's figure out what this one's going to be. And that is the attitude that has fueled, I think, all my career success is just sort of down for the ride, you know? Things are going to yeah. happen. You weren't panicked at all? Like, how am I going to pay this New York yes. rent? How am I going to There was this? that. I got some severance for like a month, I think. And I was in, uh, I was fighting New York Department of Labor for unemployment money because I had no mm-hmm. income. And yes, I was stressed about rent because at that time, my my friend had kicked out her roommate and then asked me to be her new roommate. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> fun little drama. But yeah, so I was very much stressed and... I hustled, you know, I got some freelance job. I was like, um, I remember one of my friends had a friend at CNN and I, I think she took pity on me. Let me transcribe an interview where she was interviewing a lot of meth addicts. It was very depressing. I transcribed those interviews for her, which, you know, now bots can do, but Hey, it's a job. Thank you. Got a little 60 bucks here, 60 bucks there. And of course, and it was because of that feeling of that financial insecurity that really fueled my interest and um, my the new career path that I was going to put myself on to, yes, do journalism, but cover finance and business so that I could learn to never get myself in that situation again. It wasn't the layoff that I was stressed about because that can happen to anyone. You can't control it. It was the fact that what I could have controlled my money, I didn't have it together. You know, I hadn't saved, mm-hmm. I hadn't invested anything. Um, so yeah. that, yeah, that led me to the next chapter for that sure. That makes sense. I think there's a lot of us who have learned a lot during a period of unemployment. You know, unemployment laid the foundation for what is now Side Hustle Pro. Mm-hmm. And it also 
led to me having a mindset shift. So I'm curious if that happened for you, mm-hmm. that mindset shift of I am never going to put the power in their hands again. I think of an employer, I think uh, of a business as just that, like this is as much my choice, my relationship, my power as theirs. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to put myself at the mercy. And because of that, I was okay with quitting a job. I was okay with um, saying, no, pay me more. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to take it unless you pay me more. So did the same thing happen for you? Like, do you, looking back, think that's what made you start to develop that mentality of, as you say, quitting your way rich or being professionally selfish? Right. Professionally selfish. I like quit your way rich a lot better. Quit yes. your way rich. Yeah. Um, I, because I was so open to and used to starting new chapters. I was someone who would move across the world, you know, to the other side of the world on a whim or move to New York because I wanted to mm-hmm. and start a new chapter. My career felt the same. I didn't want to have a, a, you know, stay at the same place. I, I wanted to try different mm-hmm. things and figure stuff out. And I also, out of necessity, had to. I was, like I said, covering business mm-hmm. and I would read the studies about what happens to college graduates when they graduate into a recession and how long statistically it's shown that it takes us to catch up to our peers who graduate during times of, you know, uh, prosperity. And it's a long freaking time. Okay. And I remember reading those stats, writing about them as a journalist and saying, okay, so what am I going to do about this? You know, this is the story that they say is going to be my own because I fall into this category of recession graduate. But I've always been someone who's like, that's not my story. I'm going to change the story for myself. And so for me, I was like, I got to make more money. I got to catch up. I'm underpaid where I am because I've been underpaid, you know, as I've had to take jobs out of desperation because I was let go. I took a job that I didn't, that I was underpaid for and overqualified for, and I didn't have a choice. And that's another reason why I was like, I'm going to get my finances together so that I don't have to take a job that I don't want ever again. Anyway, I learned about this and I I started to think I can ask for raises, which I did at my current job. And I think I was successful like maybe once, but then it was like there was a ceiling and they didn't want to give me any more. And then mm-hmm. from there, it was like, well, how am I going to get more money? I I need to get poached. I need to go somewhere else. It was very clear to me. And I'll give a big shout out at this point to one of my mentors, Ray Matoyer, who I'm devastated to say we just lost him um, last week. He passed away. And I mentioned my email kind of being my, you know, treasure trove, like my archive of these moments in life. And I went back and read some emails from Ray. And man, Ray was the one really um, who gave me this brilliant advice of, um, you know, don't stop interviewing. Keep yourself out there. You've asked, that's good, but keep your options open and then they'll see how valuable you are. And I never forgot it, clearly. So I credit Ray and um, he was just an, an incredible mentor um, as a young, to a young college that grad. Is amazing. Yeah, he saw the moxie. Oh, I love that. I love, <laughs> yeah, when people who are ahead of us share that kind of advice or give us the intel, yeah. we also don't be afraid to ask. The worst they can say is no. Mm-hmm. You know, if you preface it with, are you, I don't know if you're comfortable sharing, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, asking salary, asking ballpark, you oh, know, yeah. asking the band, as they like to call it yeah. in a lot of tech companies, like, you know, what's the salary range? Um, because they will underpay you. They will. Oh, yeah. If you say yes, they're like, oh, great. Okay. (laughs) Just right along. This is your orientation date. Yeah. 
you mentioned moving into business journalism. Mm -hmm. So what kind of jobs did you start to take on to um, increase your income? Yeah. So I listen, I'm saying for a college graduate who studied print journalism, I think I did pretty damn well. Okay. For having, I didn't go back to school. Like some people during the recession, you, you shelter in school, you go back to get your master's. It feels like a safe bet, but at the same time, you're saddling yourself with so much debt. And thank goodness I was mm-hmm. covering the student loan crisis because I was like, oh, no, 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 not me. I'm going to, no, no, you're not going to get me. <laughs> I'm going to keep my cute little $8,000 because yes. I went to a state school debt. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So for me, it was, uh, it was going from my first business reporting gig was at Business Insider, which is now a huge company, but at the time was a startup. I was their first personal finance reporter. And then I made a name for myself there. I was really quiet. It was so bro-y. They, I remember feeling so uncomfortable because, you know, startup-y, it was all bro-y. And like the bros were clearly the gods of the newsroom and they would talk loud and they would shout across back at each other. And I felt like a fish out of water. So nervous, but... I did the damn thing quietly in my corner as I've always done. And I became successful yep. writing um, really popular personal finance stories that got noticed by um, a bigger fish, Yahoo Finance. So Yahoo Finance poached me a couple of years after I joined. And then from there, just through connections, I got the opportunity um, to manage content for a personal mm-hmm. finance startup. So like a personal finance comparison site where you could, you know, get okay. the best loans, get the best um, mortgage, that kind of thing. They were looking for someone to run their content. And at the time, my favorite tip for people is, um, or favorite sort of thing about like, if you want to advance in your career is I talk about entrepreneurship. So being mm-hmm. entrepreneurial within your career, like at your job. While I was at Yahoo, I wasn't just a reporter. I launched a video series because your girl did not study broadcast, was not camera ready like I am now. And I I needed to learn. So I threw myself into the fire. I was like, I'm going to do this and it's going to be hella uncomfortable. But thank goodness I did. And I launched Brown Ambition all while I was at Yahoo. Oh, yeah. My podcast, really? Brown Ambition. Um, this was like 2015. And the growth that I was getting from those opportunities, it just told me like, I've got more to give. I don't want to just be a writer, you know, and Yahoo really wanted me to just be a writer. <laughs> and so, yeah. yeah, cause they're like, can you just stay there? You know, it, you're making things complicated. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. So they gave me a chance to run a team and I was like, I can do that. And then I bounced. So there are two things that I want to call out. Number one, the fact that you were open to being poached, going into other opportunities, Mm. seeing that, okay, this has led me here. What are the common objections that people give you when you recommend that they also quit their way rich? What are some of the common objections and, you know, what do you have to share so people can get out of that mental block? And see that there's opportunity for them once they quit up. Yeah, I think that people imagine that, like, first the word quit. Like, Mm -hmm. I try to take the power away from that word quit to make us feel like it's negative. Me too. You are my person. You are, are we my best friends? People. Like, I, <laughs> we're we? also wearing the perfect complimentary <laughs> like, color right now. This like gorgeous right. teal and this hot pink. Yeah, you guys got to check us out on YouTube. <laughs> but people put so much sauce <laughs> on this quit. They have aligned it with this like failure or lazy mentality and all this other stuff. But you know, yeah. what's your perspective? Even on? when I was bopping around from Chile to the US and different jobs in New York and you know, my mom, it made her uncomfortable. Like, can't you just stay somewhere? Mm-hmm. Stability is, you know, <laughs> predictable. I want, but it's, it yeah. comes from a place of right. love. And I think we all just want, of course you want to be stable. You want to like, 
um, know where you're going to eat every night and have maybe some people like you want to know that you'll have someplace, you know, warm to curl up in at the end of the night. And you know that you have, you know, this is where that goes. This is where this goes. You have your routine, all of that. But at the same time, I had learned so early in my career by being let go that even if I wanted to be stable, it still wasn't up to me if I was going to work in corporate America. Mm -hmm. Like it was never going to be within my power to make stability. So I learned early on that job stability is a myth. You know, it really is. And for me, if I never wanted to go back to being that girl who was fighting for scraps from the Department of Labor for my little unemployment insurance money, if I never wanted to be her again, having to take a job where I was overqualified and underpaid, where I was tried to negotiate and was basically laughed off the phone, um, then I had to control what I could control. So that was my professional brand. It was me attracting opportunities that would have to compete for me, you know, because I was already employed. That means give me more money to join and then make smart decisions about my money along the way. So keep my lifestyle expenses low, make sure I was investing aggressively and saving aggressively and always be open to those new opportunities and hand in hand with that be comfortable making other people uncomfortable with my choices. And you asked me, what's the biggest objection people have when it comes to quitting? I think one is a stigma. Um, two is the, well, what if this is a stable job and I'm quitting and I get, and they just kind of like fill in the blank with whatever horrible thing they think will happen. Right. Right. Like I like here. I don't know what it will be like there. Exactly. Like, the unknown. If I leave this good situation. Yes. Yep, fear of the unknown. And then on top of that, oh man, I just knocked myself off track. It, you do this after oh, eight I'm weeks sorry. after you have a baby. Yeah. Um, so what did I say? Like the <laughs> result, oh, the stigma here, yeah. and also the not wanting to mm -hmm. make other people uncomfortable because by you quitting, mm -hmm. Mitch from the Gainesville Times is going to be really mad at you. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and, you know, Jess at Business Insider, yeah. who just got you promoted a year in advance, you know, uh, is going to probably not be thrilled. And, you know, like Yahoo Finance yeah. really saw so much potential in you. But yeah, I'm going to go over here. And you're like, to a startup? Okay, good luck with that. Mm -hmm. um, it's okay yeah. uh, to make people uncomfortable. Right. But yeah, some definitely I have to coach a lot of women through that feeling. It's okay. Yes. It's okay. It's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And speaking of that feeling, I, yeah, I, I think anytime I've quit a job, I've definitely had received shade, received some icy responses. But what's interesting is I've also been in the position where I join a job and I'm excited for who my manager is going to be. Then that manager gets fired yep. or leaves. <laughs> and then I end up thrown to the wolves with some crazy folks. There's no stability. Nope in that okay like you need to leave because also other people will you'll be shifted around yeah. like a game of checkers easily yeah. and they will not care and this is not to say okay this is not a job it's not a career bashing session this is a how do you optimize oh no what you're yeah. doing so that you're making the most money you can to do what you want with that money mm. whether that's invest in your side hustle or maybe make that leap when you're ready. How do you set yourself up to get there? So when is your book coming out, by the way? 2025. 2025. I just okay, got so the book deal on the, the lookout for it. Yeah. Well, it's going to be called Quit Your Way Rich. I can't wait. <laughs> so yes, 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 yes. I love hearing this because I, 
I feel like I'm talking to my friends. I know so many friends and people who I hear these things from. They're like, oh, you know, I don't want a gap on my resume. Guys, a gap on your resume never killed nobody. Right. I promise you it'll be okay. It will be okay. I promise you it'll be okay. But you know what's scarier than that story they tell themselves is the unknown to them. Like they'd rather believe a very weak myth, a very weak, mm-hmm. you know, assumption mm-hmm. because it, yep. it takes away the chance that they would have to do the scary thing, which is to, you know, right. So yeah, I hundred percent get it. People like those little myths because it makes them feel comfortable. Yeah. I want us to optimize our salaries, especially as black women, because if you're with a company for 10 years and you're getting a two or 3% raise, mm-hmm. you know, every year, like that's not cutting it. Mm-mm. But when you are able to go to another job, which by the way, you should be looking for that while you're at one job, right? So as Mandy said, you're more competitive. You can make bigger jumps <laughs> in your salary rather than waiting on that small little kick in each year if you exactly. even get that, you know, based on if we're in a recession or what have you. Um, so that's another thing that I want you guys to take away from what Mandy said as well. It's brush up that resume now. When's the last time you brushed it up, mm-hmm. right? Put your name in the pot now. Do a couple of interviews every, you know, every month. Just keep yourself fresh. Yeah. Don't feel like, oh, I don't want to be distracted by that. I'm trying to be great at my job. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Maybe get through this project or, you know, this busy quarter. But then when things slow down a little bit, like... Just brush up that resume. Isn't it funny? But like, maybe don't give your job 100%. Maybe give them like Ah! 85. (laughs) Quietly, quietly. Just give them like, I know all this talk about, well, people working from home. I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) I'm sorry. I know this is controversial. Okay. I know it's controversial. I don't work for y'all. So you can't tell me I can't say this stuff. Isn't that great? (laughs) Um, I mean, Nikayla can be like, get off my show. But I think for vibing. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Okay, what do you really mean by that, though? Because I don't want to be... You know, Flippant. acting like we're just saying, mm-hmm. don't be good employees. But- no, that's not what I mean. I just mean, do not sacrifice your family, your friends, your life, you know, mm-hmm. yourself, what you love to do and put everything yes. into a job that could easily drop you at the, like, right. what are you going to have? It's sort of like, it's yeah. like, you know, people who um, get into a relationship and then cut off family, friends, mm-hmm. don't pursue their own p- right. interests and passions and they get dumped or they realize they're, they, they leave and the person. And they're pers- like, hey guys. <laughs> And it's like, what do you have? What do you have to call your own? And I was always very focused on, I want something that I own. So the podcast, I own this, you Mm -hmm. know, it's my IP, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe for you, it's not an entrepreneurial pursuit. Although if you're listening to Mm -hmm. Side Hustle Pro, probably it is, you have something else and it's okay. I think that employers have unrealistic expectations that their workers are going like this idea that you're going to get me 110% everything you've got. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to be good at my job because 85% of mm-hmm. me as a writer is pretty freaking good. You're right. going to get that story written, right? right? But yeah. I'm always going to save energy and time for other things. It's going to make me exactly. more professionally resilient. And professional resilience is so crucial. You know, I always say in interviews, like if there's one phrase you sort of leave other than quit your way rich, but think, you know, of me, it's professional resiliency. And how can you mm-hmm. build yourself up to be more, um, yeah, so that you can bounce back you know, from anything that is out of your control. And yeah, right. poach getting, you know, having that professional brand, people noticing your work, being mm-hmm. good at what you do, networking, yep. keeping that LinkedIn profile popping and engage with it. Yes, That is all part of putting, you know, it's all part of putting your um, sort of life preserver on first and right. yeah, insulating Attending yourself. a conference, networking. In addition to professional resilience, just having that frame of mind of I'm not just going to be laser focused and not look at anything else. It's keeping your skills sharp. So by having a side hustle, um, often your side hustles, without you even realizing it, they actually make you a better employee, um, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, learning more about video and then doing um things with video at your job. Or for me, I was doing social media on the side always. So um, doing social at work. I just got better and better at it. Mm-hmm. And those are things that they were never going to teach me. So I had to teach myself. Yeah. And then you also mentioned that employers have this unrealistic expectation that employees will give 110%. Mm-hmm. And they do that because they can actually convince a majority of people to think like that as well. Yeah. Like, you know, we'll give you everything. You have everything here. We we love you. We're a family. Um, you know, you can get this promotion and that promotion. Yeah. Don't buy into it, guys. <laughs> yeah. Don't buy into it. Okay. You can be dropped because, you know, such and such tech company wants to have a better stock report. So they're going to just slash 10% of their workforce and boom, their stock price goes up mm-hmm. and you are the collateral damage. Okay. Yeah. 
Exactly. I mean, again, it's like, it's not about not being good at your job, but it's about, Mm -hmm. first of all, you're not going to broadcast. I do my job 85% as well as I maybe could. Right. You're like, (laughs) you won't broadcast You're not going to broadcast that. I'm not talking about coming in late. I'm not talking about like eating breakfast for the first hour. No, no. I'm saying I don't want you staying up till 3 a.m. every night, Mm -hmm. losing sleep, losing weekends, losing hair, letting these people stress you out and not saving anything for yourself. That's what we mean. Exactly. Let's go back into your side hustle, though. So why did you start Brown Ambition Podcast? And was it just you as a solo podcaster at first before Tiffany joined? Oh, no, I tricked her very early on into coming along (laughs) with Okay. <laughs> Did you guys know each other? Like uh indirectly because I as a as a journalist, I had done a story on Tiffany because she had just launched the okay. Budget Nista and I was always looking for blogs were a big thing back then and I was always looking for blogs written by people of color to just diversify because mm-hmm. of course, like anything, it was very as my friend Berna says, hella male, hella pale, hella stale. Um but I say, hey Berna. <laughs> I always steal that from her. Anyway, so I I did a story on Tiff. We met at a conference in person and we just hit it off like you and I are. And um, as as two introverts, we went on a walk together just to like decompress from the 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 allotness of a conference, just like so much in your face. Um, And as a journalist, I was seeing that um, I was seeing that more podcasts were coming and I just thought it would be a cool way to create my own voice and to reach a woman of color audience because, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of the readers I was reaching at Yahoo Finance didn't look like me and I I just wanted to have my Mm -hmm. own thing and I thought it sounded fun. And Tiffany, we talked forever and there was no lull in the conversation, you know, and I thought that with her um, personality. And I was right. Cause she's a wonderful, she's just incredible. Um, and with my know-how, my understanding of podcasting and my ability to learn the technical side of it, that we could have a show together. So mm-hmm. that's, that's mm-hmm. what drove me and made it happen. And at what point did you start actually charging people as a career expert mm-hmm. on the side and, and launch Mandy money. Makers. I thought you were going to say the podcast, but yeah, podcasting, we didn't start making money until like maybe four years in, we finally got our act together and okay. got an ad agency. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Mandy money makers. Yeah. So that, that was entirely different through the podcast. I really discovered my voice and my point of view. And it's, you know, I didn't, I can't say that I foresaw it at the time, but I don't think without mm-hmm. Brown Ambition, there would be the Mandy Moneymakers career community that I built today. And that's because on the podcast, Tiffany was very much an entrepreneur, had her own business, was hiring people and running a business and all of that. And I was always down for the corporate nine to five girlies and I was repping for them. We've been on the show for eight years now. And over the course of that time, I 10X'd my, um, my compensation. I 10X my net worth. I learned about how to leverage equity stock and I quit six jobs in that period, you know, and started six new jobs and um, really honed my expertise around this whole career strategy situation and got the feedback from the audience that I was giving them helpful advice, that I was helpful in that way. Mm -hmm. So when cut to 2021, 
I had taken what I thought was going to be a dream job. I, I was my last quit, I told myself, because after this, I was going to be doing my own thing. I knew that I probably wanted to be my own independent person, but I had told myself that uh, I need one more big gig, you know, and I got mm-hmm. that big gig with the big paycheck, with a big brand that was super exciting to tell everyone about. And it felt right. And I, I had sort of told myself, okay, I, I need to be aligned with this big brand so that when I go independent, I am more like I have more clout. People take me more seriously. It was all BS. I already had everything Ooh. I needed to go independent. I was just a little insecure about, you know, like, was I really ready? Um, but thankfully that dream job ended up not being a dream at all lasted a few months (laughs) and it was deuces and it was so gratifying because I could I could walk away knowing that it wasn't like I had done what that the 22 year old Mandy had dreamed of doing creating financial security so that I didn't have to stay where I didn't want to and I had options and thank goodness you know for that girl who, you know, created the person I am now because yeah, I, I was able to walk away, not with the, had a baby with daycare, you know, daycare in New York is not cheap and a mortgage. Nope. And I had a year's worth of savings and time to think and to try some stuff. So I tried to be a consultant that was kind of boring. Plus I was just, <laughs> you know, it's like working for corporations without healthcare, like whatever. Right. Um, and right. then. I offered on a whim, I was like, I think I could do career coaching. So I'm going to do some free sessions on IG. I offered them up and 200 women signed up and that was it. Wow. That was it. That was my proof of concept. So I, but you know, yes, I didn't have to do them for free for so long. You can do career coaching. (laughs) Absolutely. I could have told you that. (laughs) It's just figuring out what is the best use of your time, right? Mm Because now you're trading time for money and you're only one person. Um, Has that shifted? How you do career coaching? Has it shifted? Absolutely. I give a lot. I mentioned I'm an introvert. I know that about myself. It takes a lot out of me. Mm -hmm. Even after this podcast, I'm going to go need to just be quiet for a minute. Um, And career coaching, I realized I would try to pack my day. And this is a mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs make, especially like if you're, you know, wanting to do any kind of coaching or mental health um, therapy, Mm -hmm. anything, you sort of you leave nine to five, but then you create your own nine to five and then it doesn't yes. feel any different. <laughs> You're like, wait, I'm still hustling. And even though the boss is nice to me, cause I'm the boss, it's yeah. still exhausting. So career coaching, I would try to pack in like four sessions a day and it was, I, I had nothing in the tank for anything else. Mm-hmm. And I realized this is not sustainable if I'm just going to charge per yeah. one, for one session and I'm not giving everything I can during these sessions. Cause I'm just so exhausted. So I immediately, um, started to think about ways to diversify my income streams. So yes, I, I was charging. Eventually I did start charging, I think, um, 150 per career coaching session and eventually increased that to 250 per, um, career coaching session. But then I, um, six months after I did the free sessions, I, uh, began to work on Mandy Moneymakers, which was an inclusive community of women of color. Um, and I was going to offer, um, uh, 
live coaching, like live teaching, teaching modules, uh, up to eight weeks. I would show up live once a week to teach live. And then, um, but then they would always have like access to me on Slack and, and things like that. That was the first iteration of Mandy Moneymakers. And I launched that January, 2022 and I had 27 women sign up. So I'll never nice. forget 27. It's like my lucky number. And it was off to the races. I didn't wait until I had it perfectly built out. I didn't have the perfect business model or the perfect website or the perfect sign up process. I had them apply through a Google form and I was doing so much manually, but I, I had a proof of concept. I just did it, you know, and they were my guinea pigs, bless them. And I did a couple <laughs> more cohorts and I just made tweaks, you know, and it was last summer when I was, successful in that regard. Like I was making, you know, really good money um, or decent money with my launches and enrolling new makers. It was happening. Um, but I wanted another baby and I wanted to write a book. And those two things Ooh. are time sucks when I tell you. Oh, yes. <laughs> so last summer I changed the business model again. You know, I went from teaching from having Mandy Moneymakers be about live lessons eight weeks in a row to on-demand lessons with bi-weekly coaching, you know, and, um, okay. right. So I kept making, you know, changes and, and iterating on that. And I added new business line, uh, new streams of income, like brand partnerships, um, um, a contributor role at Yahoo Finance. Yes. I okay. came back. Look at that. They're still paying they, me to write for them. A bridge was open. Right, right. <laughs> the bridge was not burned. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. So now I'm just like how scaling back my business without scaling back my income so I can have time mm -hmm. for my baby and my book. Yes. My other baby. Thank you for sharing that. I think that will be very helpful for so many people who are trying to figure out how to structure sharing what they know, monetizing that because mm -hmm. it's valuable, but also not chaining themselves to a nine to five type structure because we're so yeah. used to that. We're so used to that. We don't ever realize that we put ourselves directly back into that. Mm -hmm. So that was very helpful for me too, to hear some different ways that you're scaling it back. Now, one thing you yeah. said we got to go back to, okay, you had like six different jobs in eight years. <laughs> yeah, ten years. Um, yeah, yeah. So how did you navigate <laughs> the interview process? I'm sure there's some people listening who want to know, how do you mm. navigate that? Does the question come up and how did you handle yeah. it? I love this question because I mentioned at my core, I've always been a storyteller. And I think yeah. it is the most underappreciated, undervalued skill set as an adult professional um, as we can get. So storytelling is so essential. If you can whip your career into a story that has some action, has some plot twists, you know, has some <laughs> characters. And if the person interviewing you is engaged and, and I'm not saying be super like, you know, out there and, and it's not about that. It's just about right. weaving together your story. She's not saying tell stories. No, like, not, not know, stories lies. lies. <laughs> <laughs> tell the truth, but make the truth compelling and make it so that they can yeah. see why you made your decisions. And as long as you've made each decision yes. with integrity, with reason, with logic, um, mm -hmm. I actually think it makes you like a dynamic person to talk to during an interview and at least people yeah. kind of remembering you. But I never had to go in there and say, oh, I just moved because they offered me more money. I never said that. Yeah. Um, and that was also not the truth. I, I did leave for more money, but I always also left for opportunities that were going to give yes. me new skills, new challenges, new responsibilities, etc. Um, mm -hmm. And people interviewing you, they understand that. 
you are an ambitious person mm-hmm. and your skills were um, not being like totally leveraged and you saw a new opportunity and you took it. And hey, that opportunity ended up um, ending because of corporate layoffs, which were out of your control. And so you pivoted and you went in that direction. And then, you know, when you went in that direction, you took a job that was um, that you were interested in, but maybe wasn't your entire passion. And so when you had an opportunity for another job to come, how could you turn it down? It was time to sort of get back to where you started and refine that passion. And while you were there, you know, you got an opportunity to get promoted, but with that promotion, they denied you a raise and any additional equity. And when a competitor reached out to poach you and you gave the company a chance to match, they said no. And it was really difficult to turn down an opportunity to get paid your market value and to be, you know, using the same skills that you've been using and have this like upward trajectory. And you see, I'm... Would you hire me? I see. (laughs) I would hire you. And I'm like, I would pay for your coaching too. (laughs) It's all about language and yet presenting even your resumes. There's so many resumes that are just flat, like, you know, yeah. Called, called people, did this, push papers. Well, and you know how I feel about you have resumes. To start the storytelling. Do you yeah, know? Yeah, but you have to start the storytelling from there. Yeah. Well, yeah, how yeah. do you feel? I, well, I know I hate cover letters, so I'm imagining you don't even. You don't. Even <sighs> I hate resumes. I think they're trash. For those. Um, <laughs> resume slander always. The thing that I, I don't listen. Yeah. I don't actually hate the resume itself. What uh-huh. I see way too often is so many people mm-hmm. using a resume as an excuse that they're not ready. Like, oh, I need to brush up my resume and then I'll apply. When I tell you, just Uh right now, I can't stop thinking about this Mandy Moneymaker named Dominique because when I met her, she, Mm -hmm. this was just a few months ago, she joined Mandy Moneymakers uh, in the spring and she was working for a retailer as a buyer. She was buying handbags and didn't think that she was, her resume was polished enough to start applying for jobs yet. And I said, and I listened to this woman talk and she's young and she's brilliant. And I'm like, if you don't, I'm going to sit here and sometimes I do this. I'm going to sit here and watch you apply to some jobs right now because you are ready. <laughs> and this resume is not what's going to get you that job. It might get you to an interview, but yeah. you like, they need to, need to talk to you and see you. And she started to apply that day, stopped telling herself that it wasn't perfect enough. And when I tell you, not only does she get like a job within, I think, I feel like that week she had interviews, she was telling me. And wow. I just came back from mat leave and had a coaching call yesterday and she was tuning in and was like, I I live in California now. She was living in Ohio. I live in California now. I'm working for a big retailer. I've got this incredible new opportunity. I negotiated a 10K um, relocation plus signing bonus. Like, And I was like, nice. and imagine what if you had just kept what telling yourself- if? Your resume wasn't good enough. So that's all I'm Mm -hmm. saying. It's just, it is a part of it, right? You got to have the goods, but there's so much more. It's networking, conversations, people, you know, creating relationships, being great at your job, being seen, being out there, Mm -hmm. LinkedIn, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm so glad you mentioned that because what also stops people, I know it used to stop me, is when you see that, you know, experience the years of experience required and you're yeah. like, oh, I'm out there. I mm-hmm. don't qualify. No, 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 no. <laughs> ignore that part. You have to ignore yeah. that part. Well, I mean, also it's funny because as a, I was a hiring manager for five years, so I've seen it on both sides. Yeah. I've managed a team of 30 staff and then like a hundred freelancers. I negotiated yeah. from that side too. I've reviewed resumes for jobs. And so I know like in my mindset, like I would write my own job descriptions, me. Mm -hmm. I didn't go to school for writing job descriptions. 
And when you, when HR is like, how many years of experience? I'd be like, no, not three. Like it's random sometimes, you know, like, and (laughs) it's, it's just something people put on there. So yeah, definitely don't let that be a deterrent for you. Just go for it. Mm -hmm. Just go for it. So Mm -hmm. before we jump into the lightning round, I'd love to know a little bit more about how the podcast has impacted your income earning opportunities. I love Brown Ambition. Tiff and I were just talking the other day and we're like, it's time to rev up this podcast situation because uh, yes, it's always yes. it was always a side hustle and we did fine. Like mm-hmm. we got the ads and then we were making like a few thousand bucks a month to start with. And now more recently, um, we have, you know, finally got the six figure mark for the year, um, which is mm-hmm. great. So honestly, like if I guess if I don't know, I was going to say if we were married, we could have quit our jobs. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Anyway, but it's becoming income that could be sustainable. Like if I was, if I didn't have a house and daycare and two kids, whatever. Um, yeah, so we're yeah. really proud of that. But at the same time, we are, it, because it's been a piece of each of our world, like it hasn't been the focus. Your empires. Yeah, our empire. Yes. So Tiffany's always had this huge business, the budget needs to the literature academy. She's awesome. She has that going on. I have my nine to five career and I had Brown Ambition and now I have Mandy Moneymakers and all this other stuff. But Brown Ambition, we're like, if we just put like a little bit of our strategy behind the yes. show, we could definitely be um, increasing our audience and getting more money from the ads that we're getting. So that is our, mm-hmm. you know, focus for um, we're just going to be paying a little bit more attention to stuff. When you look at my story, and I have to have this talk with my Mandy Moneymakers too. And even when I give, you know, my webinar or I pitch Mandy Moneymakers, I make sure people know that, you know, my story is my story. It may seem to you mm-hmm. from the outside that she launched a business in a summer and now she's, you know, making five figure months and like doing really well and has a book deal and da, 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 da. My business, like it it didn't, I didn't know it was, but it all began a decade ago. I am reaping seeds that Mm -hmm. were sowed, you know, when I was in my early twenties and the same with the podcast. So because I started the podcast, I had built trust with an audience. I had built trust with lots of women who were going to be the exact same audience I was going to with my business and figuring out your audience and how to talk to them is the first step, I think, in becoming, you know, in starting a new business, especially like a service business, like coaching, for example, you want to figure out who's your perfect client. How can you get in front of them? I already had that piece figured out. I had the podcast. I had a platform. So when I went to IG and my IG was private, I made my IG public and I think I had like 5,000 followers. I still had people who knew me from Brown Ambition and were like, oh yeah, I'd sign up for Mm -hmm. a free session from her. So I had built that trust and authority. Um, And I definitely don't think I could have, you know, stood up this business with the speed that I had, had I not had that great um, foundation from Brown Ambition. I'm really glad that you asked that because for sure it was a huge part of, um, yeah, my entrepreneurship journey. Yeah. I just, I love talking to other podcasters for that reason because it's so random. None of us set up Mm -hmm. or went to school to be a podcaster. And even when we started it, ever thought, oh, you know, that's going to be my title, (laughs) full-time podcaster. So it's just interesting to hear how other people view it. Um, and in addition to the, objections that people give themselves Mm -hmm. about quitting a job, moving into a better role. Do you see people giving themselves objections like you did before they leap into entrepreneurship? I mean, when they're ready, you know, when they have a business that's making consistent money and they're, they just keep telling themselves different things. Like what kind of things do you see and how do you help them? Well, you mentioned consistent money. 
you got to drop that expectation. I mean, hopefully you'll make money, but will it be consistently <laughs> well, the same? You gotta, no. You I tell you no. what, I really miss kind of being a W-2 worker and getting that paycheck and knowing what I was going to make. And, you know, when you have a bad week, you're like, I don't want to do this thing. I don't want to sing for my supper. You don't have to because you're salaried, you know? But at the same time, that salary yeah. is a cap. You're only ever going to earn that plus whatever sprinkles they might put on top yeah. in the form of like a bonus or equity. Um, and when I was questioning what to do next, I remember my financial planner when I had left that job and I had, you know, my financial planner was the one who, and shout out to Helen, um, who was, who said, Mandy, you could do your own thing. And I was like, really? She's like, yes, I work with people all the time who are doing, who don't have half what you have and they're doing it. So you could do it. Not only that, but we can come up with your monthly number. Like, let's see what would your lifestyle cost you? Mm -hmm. And I love that because it's yeah. something that I take with me as a coach today. Often people's fear is, mm -hmm. um, I can't afford my lifestyle with, you know, I, I couldn't afford this life. Yeah. But when you get down to it and you look at what your expenses are, you know, what you want to be saving, et cetera, like put some numbers behind that, give your fear a face, you know, and my number was 10,000 a month and Helen, which was less than I was earning in corporate and, and Helen, my planner was like, yeah. you can make this happen, but you need to know your monthly minimum um, income number. It's going to give you something to shoot for. And yeah, it absolutely did. So from the jump, I was like, okay, 10 K um, a month. And even when I was consulting and then eventually I didn't get paid for Mandy money for a while, but it gave me something to strive <laughs> for. It made it less scary. Yes. I love that. Put a face to your fear. Yes. All right, guys. So now we're going to jump into the lightning round, but that I think is the perfect note to transition on. Put a face to your mm -hmm. fear. It might not be as scary as you think when you see yeah. a face. <laughs> So now um, let's jump into the lightning round. Just answer the very first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. So what is a top resource, not Google, that has really helped you in your business journey that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Ooh, a top resource. Oh, I love um, a couple of like tools that I use every day, Trello and Zapier. Mm -hmm. Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R. It is this um, great tool that makes all your tools talk to each other. So, and it's crucial mm -hmm. for Mandy Moneymakers when people enroll in my course that something like triggers because you have the cart somewhere else that when they enroll in the course, Zapier will make sure mm -hmm. that they get the, my email system to send them this cadence of emails and my email system yeah. knows to add them to this like specific segment. So right. yeah, those are two tools that I, that I like a lot. And Trello is for project management. So you can see all okay. the stuff that you have on your plate. Got it. Number two, who is a non-celebrity Black woman entrepreneur who you would want to switch places with for a day and why? I just interviewed Lacey Redway, who is this celebrity hairstylist. And she is, I don't know if I want to switch. Well, I just love her so much. But you said switch places. I was like, I want to hang out with her. But anyway, she gets to do like <laughs> Tessa Thompson's hair and Emmy Rossum's hair. Oh. And she was just at the Shea Moisture box at the Beyonce show. And I was like, her life looks pretty nice. freaking fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that I hadn't heard of her. I love this question because I learn new people to, you know, reach out to an interview yeah. myself. Um, all right. Number three, what is a non-negotiable part of your day these days? You know, newborn, toddler. <laughs> I'm yeah. curious. Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I will have a nice cup of coffee and it will be. And even if he's fussing while I'm making it, I'm having my freaking coffee. Yeah. 
Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, number four, what is a personal trait about Mandy that has contributed to your success? Uh, what did I say earlier? I wish I could like have the one word for this, but it is the ability to expect more of myself than anyone else and tell really good stories. That. Be a good storyteller. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal storyteller. Um, and finally, what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be independent, be their own boss, but are nervous about stepping mm -hmm. away from the steady paycheck? You have to add someone else's voice to the mix. Um, it doesn't have to be a career mm -hmm. coach, but you need to get someone else's voice with your own, because if you just are thinking it all in your head, you know all the reasons why you're not going to be able to do something. But it's not until you sit down with someone or across from someone or you on Zoom or whatever, who's done the thing that you want to do, who has worked alongside people who've done the thing that you want to do. When you get their voices in the mix, they will help you start to feel like all your fears, like they'll give a face to it and they'll give you tools that you can use to overcome them. It's not to say that your fears are not warranted. Of course, like, it's scary. What if I don't make money? But okay, that's a fear. But like, how do you actually strategize so that you do make money? Um, and, yes. <laughs> and don't forget that even if you go, you know, and you pursue a business, like you're, it's not going to take away your professional experience. It's not going to take away those core skills. Take Mandy money away, yeah. take brown ambition away. I can go get a job as a journalist and be and provide for my family. I am my own professional resiliency and you have to think about yourself in the same way. Uh, this is a very long answer, but I would leave y'all with those two thoughts because um, I know how, you know, those limiting beliefs can keep us back because we're just in our own heads. Yes. Okay. So yes. expand your network, talk to more Nikaela's and Mandy's of the world who will help you <laughs> oh, see, yes. you know, what's possible. Right. How it can be done. I love that. I truly hope that this episode and all the episodes are the voices, the counter voices that you need to hear so that you can devise your own path and, you know, do the damn thing. And then mm -hmm. what did you say? The second part of what you said, oh, everything you say just resonates. Ah! Um, you are your own professional stability yes. because they can't take your skills away from you. Right. As you step out and let's say something fails, you actually now have new skills. Like if I want to go back into corporate, like I'm looking at podcasting yes. roles, I'm looking at, and, and you know, podcasting has kidding? grown. And so marketing it's, it's executives. Really yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. Like I'm going after different kinds of roles. So you, it's not like you leave, lose your skills and also never are not acquiring new skills. Like you are yeah. requiring new skills. So believe in yourself, y'all. So Mandy, where can people connect with you after yeah. this episode? Oh, goodness. I'm at Mandy Money pretty much everywhere. It's Mandy with an I though. So, you know, I forgive you if you spell it with a Y, but I had to go and buy <laughs> the MandyMoney.com domain with the Y. I was like, let me just buy it and then redirect. No. Yeah. Just in case. Okay. Okay. It was okay $20 okay. well spent. Okay. I thought you were using it. I was like, what? No, 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 no. Uh, That's smart. MandyMoney.com with an I. Uh, and yeah, and social mm -hmm. media. And for sure, check out Brown Ambition. I feel like it is the perfect compliment mm -hmm. to Side Hustle Pro. And yeah, we got to oh, have yes. you on the show, Nikayla. I can't believe we haven't We got to have a crossover. Ever. Right. Sure. Okay. And yeah. Well, Make it happen. Yes, let's, you know what's funny? I just texted with Tiffany today, but we were just on the phone. <laughs> I was like, oh, I should have told her I was going to talk to Mandy. So <laughs> I talked to both of you in one day. Um, so yes, we definitely got to do a crossover. Awesome. And thank you so much for being in the guest chair. This was awesome, awesome, awesome. You are definitely my people. And I can't wait to connect in person. So with that, you guys, I'll talk to you next week.
Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. It helps other side hustlers just like you to find the show. And if you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Side Hustle Pro. Plus, sign up for my six-foot Saturday newsletter at sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter. When you sign up, you'll receive weekly nuggets from me, including what I'm up to, personal lessons, and my business tip of the week. Again, that's sidehustlepro.co slash newsletter to sign up. Talk to you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.